Are you tired, frustrated, and feel stuck? Are you a high-performing business professional, entrepreneur, and you are not getting the results you desire or you hit a ceiling? Have you been around the block and tried many modalities? You are in the right place. The answer, my friend, is in the little-known brain-soul connection. Welcome to the Brain Soul Success Show, where we learn, explore, and create your dream life. Your host, Louise Schwartzwalter, created a five-part mind-body-soul methodology that clears the subconscious blocks to success. You are a soul with a body, not a body with a soul. The seed of all you need is already within you. From engaging transformational interviews, brain-soul success stories, and secrets shared by health, wellness, and spiritual experts, you will reconnect, revitalize, and transform your powerful life. It's time for you. Welcome back, everyone, to the Brain Soul Success Show. Wow, we are in for such a treat today, literally. This is James Berry, my good friend, and he's been in the culinary field for 16 years as a private chef. He's worked with celebrities, Tom Cruise, um, Marissa, I don't know how to say your last name. Mariska Hargitay. Hargitay, Hargitay. George Clooney. Ooh, these are my some of my favorite people. How cool. Gerald Butler, um, Sean Puffy Combs, Barbara Streisand, John Cusack. Um, and you started Wholesome to Go, a healthy, high-quality food delivery company that served, you know, the Los Angeles area for eight years. What a great thing to do. And you launched your first functional food product. This is exciting, you guys, called Pluck. And it's the first really organ-based all-purpose seasoning. So it's the first of its kind. It's amazingly easy and delicious, a way for people to enjoy the organ meats. And we're going to find out what that means and why organ meats, right? You're going to share with us today about that. You published your cookbook. You're the author of and co-author the recipes in Margaret Floyd's book, Eat Naked, and co-author the follow-up cookbook, The Naked Foods Cookbook. You're most recently co-authored the recipes in Dr. Alejandro Hunger's, Junger's book. What's the name of his book? Clean Seven. Clean Seven, yeah. I think I, I've read that book. I've yeah, that book yeah he's, a, he's a New York Times bestselling author, and he's a wonderful man. Really, really yeah. great stuff. So you've gotten a lot of writing out there, too. That's so completely awesome. You know, so how did you even dive into, how did you even get started in the world of cooking and culinary? How did you become that professional? You know, it really, it really was, uh, it was a moment in time. And for me, it was 9-11. When 9-11 happened, you know, that was, that was my generation's Pearl Harbor, right? Or our, our generation, you know, whatever age, whoever's listening is. Um, and, and it just, it was one of those moments where I realized, okay, um, everything I do moving forward has got to have heart. It's got to be something I really, really believe in and feel um, wholeheartedly. And I loved cooking as a kid. I loved it. I, I think it, I think for me, cooking was a way to express how I felt for people. Um, so when I was cooking a meal, I was thinking about that person and I couldn't wait to watch them eat it. And I was a very picky eater. So I wouldn't, I can't even tell you how many things I would make as a kid that I wouldn't eat. 
I would be making it, but I would give it to someone else to eat, but I wouldn't eat it because I was so picky. But I loved it. <laughs> but I loved it. I, I loved cooking for other people and watching them savor the food that I had, you know, put together for them. And and uh and but I for some reason never saw this as a career. I thought that cooking was a hobby. Mm-hmm. And it was 9-11 that made me go, you know what? I think I think this is a career and I need I need to invest in this because I love it. And it's whole heart, it's a wholehearted choice. It's a it's a heart-based choice. And, uh, and so I went to a culinary school in New York. I had to save money for it. I didn't have enough. It was very expensive. I didn't have enough money. So I, I worked hard. I was substitute teaching at the time. And I was selling water to the students because there were no options for water. I was selling water to the students, which was probably very illegal, but they all, they all needed it. There was no vending machines. There was no water to them. So I would sell them water and uh, just to help me pay for culinary school. Um, <laughs> great James <laughs> <laughs> but eventually I went there and talk about talk about when you when you finally when you do find that sweet spot of of your life's mission yes so I was uh I was in I was in LA at the time and I was uh pursuing acting and writing and producing that kind of stuff and I was working really hard. I was putting out 200, 200% of my energy, but I was maybe getting back 30 or 40%, not, not much. Mm-hmm. I go to culinary school in New York. I come back. I work came to me. I like, I don't even know. I worked, you know, I, I worked hard hundred percent, but I got back 200%. Yeah. I, I built, I built that resume. You just read of working with these clients and yeah. And, and, and getting all these opportunities. And I, I don't know how I got that. I just, I literally would think about it. I would go, Oh, I want to, I want to cook for a band. And then a week later I would get a call and say, Hey, would you like to be the, the, the chef on the Vans Warped Tour? We cook for, you know, 50, uh, 60 bands and we travel all across the U S for 50, 50 days. And I was like, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's I mean, awesome. You were aligned, you know, I always call it like your brain and soul were aligned. You Absolutely. were doing the heartfelt thing. You were doing your mission, your purpose. It really was me getting to experience that alignment. And uh and and it kind of hasn't stopped from there. I mean, I've continued to try to follow my instincts and my heart and, and kind of find that balance of head, heart, and instincts. And um and uh, and it, it's just continued to take me on this path from you know, as you read, uh starting a meal delivery service because the meal delivery service really came from cooking for the celebrities. I was, I was getting such great feedback from the celebrities. They were, they were achieving their goals. And I just felt like I was, I needed to serve more people. I didn't, I didn't want to just be pigeonholed to, you know, a wealthy client or someone who could pay a certain amount. I wanted to help as many people as I could. So that's why I started the meal delivery service. Um, but that experience really kind of took me, into a downward spiral, um, which I'll I'm happy to share about, but it, it, it was one of those things. And I, and I, maybe people can identify with this where you, you think you're really good at, you may be good at something like cooking, which that doesn't mean you're good at running a business on cooking. Oh, that's really a great point. You know, cause right? we have a lot of entrepreneurs probably listening, you know, and, and, that's a, they're, they're two different things. Very different. Like I, mm-hmm. I, I really understood cooking for my clients, but running a business killed me. 
because I didn't know what I was doing. I was learning as I was going. And I am the type of person who I will, I will work hard and I will muscle through things. But you know anyone out there that's muscling through things, what, ha- what, what you sacrifice when you do that is your health. You don't sleep, yeah. you, don't, you don't exercise, you don't eat right. You just, you, you just go into survival mode. And being in that fight or flight mode for eight years, which is what I was in, mm-hmm. uh, resulted in my health decline. Right. And then so those adrenals get taxed, they get burned out. You know, all yeah. the cortisol that's fl- flying through your body is all off balance, you know? Yeah, I understand, you know, and I could see where you're, you're a super hard worker and you made it work. So, you know, were, well, you were, were you married at the time? I think you have kids, right? When I started the, yeah, I do now. When I started the, the meal delivery service, I was not married. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I met my, my wife during that time and, and we had our first child before I left that, before I sold that business. And then since then we've had our second. So we have two, two children now. Okay. Cause I know that you ended up, and I like to talk about those places that people have been that are difficult, you know, where we, we lost our brain power or our health, you know, and we had to, you know, we're on this journey then seeking to get it back. And that's what you experienced after that, right? So you had a you know, major sort of some health issues. Can you share with us what happened there? Yeah. So I was, um, so for eight years, I was running this meal delivery service. And I was, um, I think I was employing at the time about 10 people, 10 or 12. So mm-hmm. we got pretty big. Um, but the weight of needing to ensure that, you know, these 10 or 12 people were always getting paid was really really heavy, heavy, heavy weight. Mm-hmm. Um, particularly uh, since I'm trying to grow and I'm trying to make sure that our margins are, are good. And, you know, and, and, and for the, probably the first eight of those 10 years, I didn't pay myself just so that I could ensure that they were all paid. So that meant for me to survive, I had to also work other jobs. So I was running that meal delivery service and then also cooking for two or three celebrities at the time, time. which meant that I was, I was just, you know, my life really was crazy. And, um, Mm -hmm. and the work required that I stayed up late at night to, to do things. Um, we would try to go on vacations and, and I would still be working. Um, so I, I really, I, I, I got so entrenched in the business. I didn't know how to get out of the business. And fortunately, what we were able to do is we were able to just move. So I was living in Los Angeles at the time and we just said, okay, let's get out of here. Cause I think preparing to leave the city was also my way of preparing to leave my business. And so I started to prepare on how to do that. And I brought people in and eventually found someone else to purchase it. And what happened is I got to, um, I got to Portland, Oregon, which is where I am now. And I had a little bit of a moment to breathe a little bit because these people that were going to purchase the company, we, we, we kind of committed to a certain type of buyout where it was going to be ongoing. You know, they were going to use the company to pay me out. I was basically going to be like an employee, you know, mm-hmm. with minimal duties. Mm-hmm. Well, they started paying me. So I actually got to finally experience getting that kind of salary pay and feeling really good about that. And then it just stopped. And, or actually, I guess what happened is it got reduced. So I was getting paid and then it got halved. 
And then suddenly it got down to a fourth of my pay. And then it just stopped. And they didn't tell me that it stopped, was going to stop. And I was, uh, and that was really scary because my wife and I were pregnant with our second child at the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think she was like two weeks away from giving birth. Wow. And suddenly our income completely stopped because I was the primary um, earner at the time. Mm-hmm. And um, I, yeah, we, I think we both panicked for, for a bit. Um, and I probably could have sued the people that I was dealing with, but I, I was so overwhelmed. I was sure. so taxed health wise. Mm-hmm. I was, I, I just, I was at such a loss for um, my rights, but also how to support my family that we ultimately just pivoted. We had to, we had to really pivot. And so what happened was my wife's business was doing fairly well, starting to do really well. And so we just said, okay, let's, let's let you run with that. And then I, I uh, was going to be the primary caregiver at home. So I was the stay at home dad Mm -hmm. and our daughter, our second daughter was born. And so that's, I was, I was with her. So her mom, after giving birth and natural birth, uh, basically two days later had to go right back into her work. And then I would bring the baby over to get breastfed. And, and then I was with her 24 seven. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Big, big life changes. Um, you know, they're not easy to go through and, yeah, and yet there's learning that takes place there. Oh yeah. What Huge did learning. you learn? What did Huge you learn? learning? Well, well, first, let me just say that anyone out there that is a stay-at-home parent, kudos to you. And please let whoever's in your life that you are feeling not appreciated by, listen to this podcast and let them hear that I did it. And it is the hardest work I've ever done. It is the hardest work. You're mentally you're mentally, your day feels like you're in a Groundhog Day movie movie because you're just repeating the same things every day. You have no time for yourself. When you do, you're just exhausted. And you feel like your creativity and your imagination just gets sapped because you're just so focused on the, the need of the child it's, yeah. and, and the household, right? And you're and maintaining mm-hmm. the household. And so it, it was just really hard. And I, and I appreciate everyone who's doing that job and believe that they should get way more kudos than they do. But I learned to just, I learned to a, I was able, I was afforded the opportunity to get my health back. I was able to just be more present, which was really important. That was so hard. The first two years, and it took me that long, the first two years, two years, just being with my daughter and not trying to get on the phone or not, not letting my self-worth be determined by what I did that day. That was really challenging. Oh, that's a good point. And, and you know, and you're right. Men don't experience that as much as women. And yet it's changing. There are a lot of stay-at-home dads today. And so I appreciate you sharing that, you know, with our audience here, that it is, it is one of the hardest jobs you'll ever do. And some of the mindset stuff that happens when you're in that groundhog day, like you said. Yeah, it really yeah. is really mm-hmm. is and 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 as i don't know if this is as a man or just it's or me personally but i was really tied into that my self-worth was was determined by what i achieved that day and when you're a stay-at-home mm-hmm. parent you don't your achievement that day is that your child's alive <laughs> right. right or yeah. that your house is clean or whatever <laughs> it is like you don't right. have 
you can't say like, oh, I had three meetings and I and I sold my product to five companies. You know, you don't have that. And so right. it feels very deflating. Yes. And yeah. I it and and so it's really hard to be, at least I I was challenged to really be present with my daughter and to just to be in the silence sometimes, to mm-hmm. be in that moment and to not be on my phone or trying to create something else. Mm-hmm. But once I did achieve that. Holy moly, was it gold? I mean, I when I was finally able to just be present mm-hmm. and fully just take in the joy and and the and the beauty that I was being gifted by getting to be with her, with getting to be with my other daughter, and just getting this time to self-heal and to be with my kids as they developed was priceless. I I am so grateful for that because as everyone talks about, you never get that time back ever. You don't don't get that time back. And, you know, I totally appreciate that. And thank you for sharing that. I mean, I went through the same thing. I'm a female, you know, and I I had chronic fatigue and I was, my kids were little at the time and, um, and I wanted to work. I was getting my master's in counseling and I had to quit because I was so sick and I was so fatigued. Um, but the gift was your gift too. the same gift. I got to be home with them instead of me, like on this rat race, you know, type a personality, I'm going to achieve this next thing. And my goals in my life, um, my world stopped too. And I got to be home with my kids and it was the biggest blessing of all, you know, I, it was just a, a magical, magical time. So I'm so grateful. And it does teach you to be in present time and to appreciate being in present time in that moment with your kids and just, you know, honoring that. It's so cool. It's really a cool experience. And if you haven't, and many people listening, I'm sure, you know, whether you're, whether you're a woman or a man here, you know what it feels like to just see your kid walk for the first time, you know, or, or say their first little babble, (laughs) it's just a gift, you know? Yeah, Yeah. it really is. And, and, and there's, and it's the white noise too. You know, we talk about, um, how many of us out there are just, how many of us in today's day and age just sit on the couch with no music, no, no stimulus, and just sit there, just sit there and just be in that white noise or that kind of like the silence, you know, be in yes. that moment of the silence. And I think when you're a stay-at-home parent, particularly with a really small child, you get that opportunity because your child is sleeping a lot when they're first born, right? When they're newborns, they sleep more than they do anything else. And and I was afforded lots of rest time, which I needed because mm-hmm. I would let her sleep on my chest or I'd just be with her, sleeping with her. And um, and I just got that quiet time. And what it gave, the gift that it gave me was that mental healing. I got the physical healing from sleeping more and getting better sleep because previously I was getting maybe three, four hours of sleep a night. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I also got my creativity back, which was the real gift that I started to get new ideas. Because nice. I allowed that silence in, mm-hmm. I removed the stimuluses, and I was present. And in that presence, and in the silence, I got my creativity back. That's awesome. And I know that's something super important to you. And you are so creative. We talked just before we jumped on here about the importance of of having that creativity and how important it is for you that you yeah. are always creating. You come up with these amazing ideas, and you've got another new thing happening. And I'm so excited for this. I mean. Gosh, you've taken all your gifts as a culinary professional, put them together and created. So this is your creation, a new product, right? 
I'm still in awe of it, Louise. I, I honestly, <laughs> cool. I mean, it feels it feels divine a little bit. I mean, I know uh-huh. I'm sure that I could break down, you know, the steps, but but there is it just feels a little divine because in today's day and age to come up with a new food product, I'm not talking laboratory laboratory made. I'm just this is a whole food and a new food product. It's just you just don't see it. You just don't see it nowadays. So I feel very lucky and and very fortunate. Tell us about this because this is this is made from organ meats. So yeah, why so, what's in organ meats that we need to know about? You know, for our health. Absolutely. So organ meats are one of the most nutrient dense foods on the planet. And why is nutrient density important? Well, ninety two percent, probably actually more than ninety two percent of the U.S. population is deficient in at least one or more nutrients. Yet we know the issue isn't calories though, because Mm -hmm. we have an issue of obesity and and people being overweight in the US as well. I think it's like 73% of men and 63% of women are obese or overweight. So clearly it's not that we're not getting enough food. It's our food choices. Right. Right. And and, And our ancestors ate what's what, what we call nose to tail. So they ate more than just the muscle part of the animal or the, or the bird or whatever they, they ate more than just the muscle meat. And when I say ancestors, I'm not talking about our paleolithic answers. I'm talking about our grandparents like that, right. you know, people born in the forties, uh, people born forties or earlier, they ate organ meats uh-huh. and they also had less chronic health issues. So I connect those dots and I say, okay, well, maybe we're not eating the right foods and maybe we're not eating the most nutrient dense foods. So I identified the organ meats as being the most nutrient dense. And the other thing that's really key is that they're also the nutrients in them are bioavailable. So our bodies recognize them, which is not always true with synthetic vitamins, you know, right. when you see those products on the mm-hmm. shelf, say, oh, fortified with vitamins, da, 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 da. Those are synthetic vitamins. And your body, a lot of times, doesn't know what to do with them and can't assimilate them. So you can get into sometimes getting too much of something or not getting anything. It can kind of go either way. Mm-hmm. But when you get a whole food source, your body knows exactly what to do with it. It can absorb it and it will only absorb what it needs. And if it gets too much of something, it eliminates it. It makes so much sense. I think about how, you know, how like eating an apple is different than apple juice. Absolutely. Right. It's 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 the whole food. It has the enzymes, the fiber, everything in it. So your body knows how to digest that and what to do with it. And when you're in alignment with nature, your body, your body flourishes, you know, it thrives. And so, so what makes organ meats nutrient rich? Well, it has vitamins like A it has vitamins B. And I, when I say vitamin B, I mean all the vitamin Bs, especially vitamin B12. Mm-hmm. It has vitamin C, D, E, and K. It has essential minerals like iron, calcium, copper, magnesium, selenium, phosphorus, potassium, folate, zinc. And these are all, and these are all vitamins and minerals that you'll find in prenatals. Makes so I, oh. Nice. I find that really fascinating. So the, yes. the, the minerals and vitamins that science is telling us, these are what you need to create life are in animal organs. So I look at, I look at those that, and I say, Oh, well then this is mother nature's multivitamin. 
Oh, that's beautiful. I like that a lot. You know, I'm just thinking of something. Years ago, I had a gentleman who owned a cattle ranch. He lived here in Albuquerque, but he owned cattle when he had lived in um, the East Coast somewhere. I think it was New Jersey. Mm-hmm. And he had um, grass-fed cattle. And there was a doctor down the way that would buy his liver meat. So when he slaughtered his cattle, the doctor wanted the liver for his patients. Yep. He knew about organ meats. And he it's, wanted a clean source of them. He wanted a clean source. Yeah. yeah. Quality is key when you're getting organs because there's a lot of, there's a, there's a myth that people get confused about. So people think that, oh, well, because the organs filter toxins, that they also store toxins. Mm-hmm. And that's actually not correct. So organs are more of a filter than a sponge. So what their, their, their job is to process and convert potentially toxic byproducts into more water-soluble forms so that they can then be eliminated or excreted out of your body. And that's why we pee, we poop, we we sweat, right? Right. That's how we need it to be water-soluble so it will leave our body. And so quality is key because you want, when it's a healthy animal, healthy person, the organs work properly. And, and, And in that situation, they do not store toxins. If anything, toxins get stored in the fat. Oh, that's a really, thank you for that. That's really a good tip. I, and I'm also thinking of my mom would tell me that she'd have to buy liver um, when she had like slight anemia. Mm-hmm. So they oh. knew during those days to eat the organ meats, to give them what they needed. It wasn't like they ran off to the store and bought the vitamin. Yeah, no, they it's true. It food. It's so true. And that's heme iron that's in beef liver. And that is the most absorbable form of iron. So it it, Mm -hmm. is so smart. I mean, I've been, you know, most other countries understand the importance of organ meats. They're built into a lot of the cultural foods. I mean, you have uh, like in the Mexican cuisine, you have menudo, which uses the beef stomach. Haggis in Scotland uses uh, like a sheep or calf heart, um, liver, lungs mixed with suet. Um, Then there's like Ireland, they have the blood sausage or what they also call black pudding. The UK has steak and kidney pie. So French have pâtés. So every other country is utilizing this nose to tell eating, but not the US. And so that's, (laughs) we're so backwards. And And we also have some of the biggest healthcare issues, right? Yes. And so that's what, that's why I created Pluck. Because Pluck, Pluck is in my judgment, the easiest way to get organ meats into your diet without dealing with the, the kind of three hurdles I, that, that I, I've identified. One is the taste. A lot of people associate organ meats as having an icky taste. Mm-hmm. With pluck, it tastes delicious. You don't even taste, you don't even realize you're eating organs. The other issue is people don't know how to cook them. They're overwhelmed. They're, it's unfamiliar. They, so they feel intimidated by organs. Well, sure. with pluck, you don't have to cook it. You can sprinkle it on McDonald's to-go food if you want it. <laughs> That's pretty cool. But we don't want to encourage that, you guys. No, no, I don't want you to do that, but you could. (laughs) Um, And then you don't need to source it. We we talked just a moment ago about the importance of sourcing your organs and getting them from healthy grass-fed animals. Um, And with Pluck, I've done that for you. It's already sourced. So what Pluck is, is basically it's five organs. It's liver, kidney, heart, spleen, and pancreas. So, and those organs are all coming from 100% grass-fed, pastured animals from New Zealand, actually. And it's and it's 
they're freeze-dried and powdered. So they're shelf-stable. It's it's a dry product. It looks just like, I don't know, a, a collagen powder or something. It's, it's no different. Okay. And, and then what I do is I combine those with, with organic spices and herbs to offset that taste. Mm-hmm. And what you get is a shelf-stable, all-purpose seasoning that looks just like any other all-purpose seasoning. And there's no, there's no difference in look, but what you get is a taste that's just so unique. It's got this umami taste. Are you familiar with that umami flavor? Yeah. yeah. Awesome. Yeah. It's, it's kind of like a savory t- taste yes. and it's just so unique, but delicious. And what umami does is when you sprinkle it on food, it actually bring, it makes the food taste better. That's what umami does. It makes the other four flavors taste better you know, and, um, it's, it's just gorgeous. I mean, we, I didn't know when I created this, that it was going to be so versatile, but we've gotten feedback that people have tried it on everything and it, it works. That is so wonderful. I mean, again, it's food. That's what I love is we need to get back to, to the real food. You know, many of us do take supplements and vitamins and I even sell supplements and vitamins and I, I love them. I've got, I've got food grade pharmaceutical, but I still think we have to eat the food. We've got to do the food. Yeah. And I, and I'm definitely not like I'm promoting nose to tail eating. I, I I really do believe that that's missing from the American diet and that's Mm -hmm. potentially why we have so much chronic disease. Um, and so I see pluck as just the gateway. I don't, I, you know, I, Mm -hmm. I encourage people to still try organ meats and, and I, if people go to our website, they'll find not only recipes, um, but they'll also um, see that I, I provide a lot of times uh, the steps how to ease into eating organ meats. And, and while pluck is like step number one, it's not the last step. So I really encourage people to try different parts of the animal because you're going to get nutrients and from that animal that's very different from, organ, from the muscle meat, very different. Um, you know, an example would be like tongue, for example. So tongue, uh, tongue is something that people kind of, think about and they get icked out by, but the tongue is actually what's underneath the, 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 there's a muscle in the tongue. That's really no, not that different from muscle meat. It's really pretty identical. So when you cook the tongue and you take off the outer layer, that's the intimidating part underneath is this gorgeous, tasty meat that is shreds almost like carnitas and it makes amazing tacos. That's why you see lengua tacos in Mexican restaurants. That's tongue. And it's delicious and it's cheaper than most muscle meat. So if you're someone who's like, Hey, I know I need to eat, you know, hundred percent, hundred percent grass fed beef or whatever it is, or bison, anything like that, but it's just so expensive. Well, get the organs. They're cheaper. And, and, and in the case of the tongue and they taste just as good or even better than the muscle meat. That's such a great tip. You know what I'm thinking of as you're telling me this, I'm thinking of the people here in New Mexico that hunt deer. So we have a lot of hunters here and they will get our elk. They hunt elk, right? you know, and they'll put an elk in their freezer. And I bet they're not even saving all the organs. Yeah. I and don't I, know. And I, mean, I wonder, and I wonder, I mean, I'm just thinking, Hey, this would be so awesome to help them see there's recipes here to use the whole animal. Yeah. Use yeah. the organ meats, how, how rich they are and all the vitamins and minerals that we do need. Oh, and, they, they really and I don't are. like throwing away things either. I'm kind of a girl scout. It's like, let's uh, use, you know, <laughs> I agree with you. I think there's too much waste. I mean, I think, I think studies have shown, I, I think in the U S we waste 50% of our food. 
So yeah. you, you know how like for so long, for many years, we kept hearing, oh, the reason why we have to do GMO this or synthetic that is because of we need more food to help feed feed the hungry. It's like, no, actually, we need to figure out distribution because 50% of the food created in the U.S. is wasted. Yeah, you know, I have another question for you that's going to kind of go along the mind of business. So I know that you and we talked about earlier, you know, you have that eight-year stint with your food delivery truck business, and it was hard. You're a creative. You're the creative that creates the idea. That's yeah. what you're good at. And now, though, you have this pluck business, these organ meats. And so it's a different time, you know, different space, different, different, you know, time in our lives. Um, and, and that business is going well. So you've learned some things about business. You're right. That's, so, that's such a great Isn't that point. so cool? It really is. So, so one of the things that I've carried into this new business is, A, that I get to create the business. So we have this idea in the U.S. that all businesses have to be, you know, nine to five or eight to five, eight to five, you know, a certain time frame that all businesses have to be centered around the, the, the work time, the, you know, the, the output and not necessarily centered around our health. Mm-hmm. Right. And so I am structuring this business differently. I'm in, I'm at, Part of the business plan is also the health plan. So I actually specifically work only a certain amount of hours a day so that I have time to make my meals from scratch, so that I have time to work out and exercise, so that I have time to be with my kids. So I usually stop work at three o'clock. And that goes for also the people that work with me. I'm always promoting that we, we, while we're selling a health product, that means we also have to take care of ourselves. So we have to walk our talk. And so I, I'm always encouraging that we do not work these crazy hours, mm-hmm. um, particularly, and I'm building the business specifically to serve that purpose, meaning that, for example, we're online right now. Mm-hmm. So our customer service hours are what we designate. We don't have to just be available 24 hours a day. And I know there's lots of tech stuff that can a- enable you to do that. But as long as you set the boundaries for your customers and you clearly communicate it, no one has been faulting us for, you know, responding within 24 hours versus within an hour, if that makes sense. Yeah, totally. And so, I mean, again, that's just a great example of, of what can happen when you do set boundaries and you work on the self-care, not only for yourself, but your employees and honor that your business is not going to suffer. In fact, it's probably going to thrive bigger. And, and everything doesn't have to be figured out that day. It's like, you know, you yeah. can only do so much in a day. And I've learned to really relax around that and redefine what is where, where my self-worth comes from. You know, like I, mm-hmm. I now see self-worth coming from my connections uh, to people and my, my interactions and for, from my relationship with my family. You know, that, that's where my self-worth comes from. Oh, you learned a lot. We all have to grow. Yeah. And we all have a test. Everyone's test is different. You know, it's different, whether it's a health issue or a business issue or whatever's happening for people. I really believe we all have that test of finding, um, finding that balance in our life and helping us find that self-worth and that authentic self again. And when we can do that, I call it the connection between the brain and the soul, our life source. Yeah, I, I, Our life I, source. 
I love, and I love that you promote that because I think, I think, you know, in this very politicized world, we tend to look sometimes at life as either it's, it's either practical or it's spiritual. It's like, no, no, it can be both. It can be both. No, there's and, a, and, and it is both. It is both. Like I, I can't even tell you how often spirituality comes into my workday and to my, just my life. Like mm-hmm. I, I'm always looking, I'm always open and looking for signs from the universe. Always. Beautiful. Beautiful. Always. Cause they awesome, come, James. they come when you're open and, and they come in ways you never would have known to look if you weren't, you know, if, if you're shut off then you really won't see them, you just won't. Right. They're, they're not, they're not like, you know, we, we tend to think of movies where it's like they bang you over the head and they say, see, but that's not always how life is. It sometimes it does. Sometimes eventually, if you don't listen, you don't listen, then you kind of, mm-hmm. you get cancer or you get something that just wipes, you know, that really like hits you hard. And it's like, okay, I need to stop. I need to stop and listen. Yes. Right. You get some, some kind of life threatening event ha- can happen. So I'm not saying that doesn't happen, but most signs mm-hmm. are very subtle but they're there. Yeah, they're absolutely there. They're absolutely there. And we can ask for them. And sometimes we don't know we're asking for them. To me, the asking is a form of being open. Yes. Because the minute you ask for help, you suddenly, you feel it. You can feel it even in your body. And the minute you ask, your body gets lighter, you open, your chest opens up. There's just an opening that happens. So I, yeah. Yeah. You know, um, I, I think of this story as you're, as you're talking, um, it was one eleven eleven, and I happen to like the number 11. It's a spiritual number. It's a master number. And I remember, and I hike and it was a Sunday and it was about three o'clock in the afternoon. And I thought, if I don't go right now, it's going to get dark. So I took off, I drive up to a trailhead It's five minutes from my house. And I do this big loop and I go up the mountain you know, and sometimes I sort of jog, walk, jog, walk. And it was such a beautiful day. It was cold. It's January, but I I'm going up the mountain and I sit on this rock and it's a triangle shaped rock. And I can see the sunset over Albuquerque when I'm on that rock. And so it's the Sandia mountains. And I pray up there. And I remember mm-hmm. I got to my rock and I'm standing there and I pull my arms up and I was kind of doing the four directions, you know, and I said, Hey God, you know, bring, bring health, wealth, love, and abundance, you know, to my family, to my clients, to our community. And I did North, South, East, and West. And I said, and spiritually feed us. And I'm asking to be spiritually fed. And this was just totally blown me away. I looked down on, on the rock is a fork. It's a silver fork, not a plastic fork. (laughs) It's a real fork. (laughs) I just asked to be spiritually fed. And now my heart's like pounding like this. I'm by myself. I can't tell anyone, you know, and I'm going, wow, it's a fork. What do I do? I was almost like afraid to pick it up, you know? So I like lean down, I pick up this fork and I'm holding and I'm praying with this fork and I'm going, wow, it's a fork. And I still am in this awe, you know? Um, And then I had to ask, do I keep it or do I leave it? Hmm. And I went, no, I think I'm supposed to leave it. And I put it back down on the rock. I stayed for a few more minutes and then, um, you know, watch the sunset. And then I ran down the mountain and I really ran because I wanted to write the story. You know, I got home and as soon as I got home, I'm starting to, to type up, to type up this story. Was that a beautiful sign or what? Oh, absolutely. But see, once again, 
you, not everyone would have seen that, right? But you were open. You were completely open. And I love how you said that you raised your hands in the air because that's a physical, that's a physicality mm -hmm. of being open, right? When we open yes. our palms up or raise our hands above our head, we're basically saying, hey, we're open to something bigger than us. Yes. yes. And, and I just, to me, that is a beautiful, that's a beautiful story and a beautiful moment. And it's very telling. It's, it's telling of, of how you show up in the world and what you bring. Yeah, no, thank you. It was just, it's still, I mean, it was 111. Look how many years ago it was, but I still feel like I'm there. Like it was yeah. that profound, you know? Um, so we do have those moments, those signs. Oh yeah. Know, I, I mean, I, them. I have stories I could tell that, that are truly, truly feel supernatural and that in, in those signs and, but without taking up too much time with your audience, I, I won't tell them, but I will just say that it, I, I, I attribute that those experiences to just being open, just being open-minded, being open physically. It's just, there's no harm to anyone ever to just be open to something bigger than ourselves, whatever that is, whatever that you want to label that it doesn't matter, but there's no harm in it. And, and you'll find that when, when you serve a higher power than just yourself, you're serving everyone. Absolutely. And you know what I see? I see that the people who are in business, who are, who hold that, that stance, I don't know another word right now about that, but who are holding that, that energy, that stance that you just shared, you know, that openness, that spiritual connection, they're the most successful. I totally agree. You know, and, and it's not, not necessarily money. It's not denominational. Right, I'm not telling exactly. you to believe, and you don't have to be a Baptist or a Christian or a Buddhist or a, you know whatever. Um, totally. So it's your belief. It's just your belief. It's non-denominational, but that belief and that connection is what will help you succeed. Absolutely, and 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 if that you know, if anything, that's that's that lesson that I got, or that's the path that I got turned towards after 9/11, which is follow the path with heart. Mm -hmm. And, you know, every day we wake up, follow the path with heart. What, what's your day going to be like? Well, I'm going to, I'm going to follow the one that has heart. So when you're interacting with people, if you find yourself rushing to just get through that conversation, it's like, make sure to look that person in the eye before you leave, because there might be a truth in that, in that person's eye that reverberates back to you, that, that stops you in your tracks and actually takes that conversation in a whole other place. But I, I found even simple movements like that of like really look in your person's eye, you know, and, 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 and opposed to looking at their mouth or not even looking at them. Right. Most people they can't look at their mouth today. It's covered. No, right. I'm just kidding. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> I'm sorry. I oh, the world we live in. Oh. Say that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> No, that's such good. That's such good. That's such good advice. You know, so how can we, um, how can we learn more about pluck and order some for ourselves? Yeah, I, I, <laughs> I love the support. Um, we are at eatpluck.com and pluck is P L U C K. And that's where you're going to find those recipes I talked about earlier. And then we're on social media. Um, the handle is at eatpluck. Um, and then you'll find me personally, uh, under chef at Chef James Barry, and that's Barry with an A, B-A-R-R-Y. And um, we're constantly, you know, brand, myself, we're all about trying to provide value to support people into your point of eating real food. 
mm-hmm. to cooking their own food, to taking care of themselves, to ca- taking care of their community. So you're going to find lots of uh, support around that when you go to either either our website or our social media. Oh, that's awesome. You know, I have another question about that. Where Give us a couple of tips on where to use pluck. Like it's seasoning. How do you use it? So first of all, kids love it. So if you are a parent, um, I got to tell you, like, we all have those days where, you know, you didn't meal plan. You didn't, you didn't really prepare well and your day kind of went sideways and you're like, oh, I guess we're ordering pizza again. Right. We've all had those days where we're just, you just kind of, you're scrambling for dinner mm-hmm. and it's a last minute thing. And then you kind of feel bad as a parent. You're like, oh man, pizza again. I don't feel like I'm taking care of my kids well, but this keeps happening. Mm-hmm. Well, I have to say that's kind of why I love pluck because mm-hmm. even when I have those kind of days, I can sprinkle pluck on that pizza and I can feel a little bit better as a parent. Like, okay, yeah, I, I had a, I had a sideways day. I had to order pizza, but guess what? They still got some organ meat. They still got some nutrition in that pizza and I just feel better. It just helps me feel a little bit better as a parent, but that's even an idea of how to use it, use it literally on everything. I mean, my kids put it on their popcorn when we have movie night, they love it. They love it. You will not, once you've had it on popcorn, you won't be able to eat popcorn without it. It's that good. It's seriously <laughs> that good. But okay. you can put it on potatoes. You could put it on vegetables. You can put it on any meat product, tofu. You could put it on fish. It really, it genuinely, we, we joke that it works on everything but ice cream. That's our joke. Even though someone told us that they tried it on ice cream and they liked it. <laughs> <laughs> That's so good. Oh, that's so great. Well, how ingenious, you know, what, what, a, what a creative in Denver and how, how guest is brilliant. That's brilliant. Thank you. I, as yeah, I said, I, I, I feel very fortunate that I came up with it before someone else did. Yeah, no, it's really, really brilliant. It's a really important thing today. And there's a whole lot of people, what I love about today. So I got sick, like in 19, let's see, 80, 89, 93. Oh, wow. So 1993, yeah. there were no gluten-free cookbooks. Right. Okay. The gluten-free cookbook came um, in the mail in a white envelope, and it was four pieces of yellow paper with a few recipes. That was yeah. it. I could have written like five of these, <laughs> five cookbooks back then. I should have. Uh, so I had to learn to cook differently in my kitchen and go to all organic food. And we had an organic garden. And I even learned to can vegetables and stuff and put that in, you know, did all that and put stuff in the freezer and you know, so we learned to eat all organic food, which was a blessing in disguise, the re, you know, result of my getting sick, you know, yeah. so that's what I needed. I needed those nutrient dense foods and we didn't have all the choices we have today, you know? And so now to be able to create this amazing product where we can get the organ meats and more people are aware today than in 1993 yeah. that, and there's more organic food stores and more people are understanding that our food is our medicine. You know, um, you are what you eat. Um, this is again, this is really brilliant. I'm so grateful to have this time with you. It's brilliant. You you bring up a really great point, though, is that you know, in, in a sense, your illness kind of inspired you to become a homesteader, right? Which is which you hear a lot of in in terms of health, as you, you hear people talking about well, our ancestral ways or like eating mm-hmm. is close to nature, right? We talked a little bit about that today, and that's kind of what I love about pluck and, and even products that are like this, where we, we, we now can afford in these modern times 
to utilize modern techniques. So the freeze drying is a modern technique. It's taking mm -hmm. the whole organ, it's freeze drying it. It's the most nutrient way to process a, a food. Um, it's not cooked, it's still raw, but it's freeze dried. So it's still mm -hmm. very high in nutrients, even higher than if you dehydrated the organs, right? So mm -hmm. we're taking a modern technique, but we're utilizing an ancestral food. Oh, and so it's the marriage of the modern and the ancestral. So I think there is a way to find that we don't have to just create food in laboratories these days. You know, like you, you yeah. can utilize modern techniques, but use it towards ancestral foods and then benefit. Because I do believe it's those ancestral foods or those homesteading ways that are going to be the most healthy. Absolutely. Absolutely. Very well, very well put. Yes, very well put. And again, I had to get sick to sort of learn some of that. Honestly, I, I don't know one person who had who is in the health field um, who's made a life change that hasn't either gotten sick themselves or experienced someone they love getting sick. That yeah. I sometimes it's it makes me sad that that's what has to happen, but most mm -hmm. people do not make changes unless that one of those two things happen. That's very true. That's very true. And the hardest thing to do as a naturopath, the hardest thing for me to do is help people change their diet. When they, they haven't take, experienced that. They will take supplements, you know, yeah. they will do some of the mindset work and everything, but nope, they're not giving up their Fritos. Yep. Or <laughs> yeah. Or their wine or their bread yeah. or what, yeah, yeah. you name it. Yeah. And, and usually it's the thing that they eat all the time that they're unwilling to give up. That's causing most of the issues. Well, that's true. Cause then what we, we crave what we're allergic to. Exactly. Right. So, yeah. and then, and the, and the way our food is in America, I also have a lot of people who tell me they go to Europe and they can have the bread over there. They can have the wheat here in America. It makes them sick. Yeah. Which is, you know? it's just our, it's our agricultural, agricultural systems. And that's, that's my whole point is like, you know, in, in America, particularly we, we take these modern techniques and we, we hybridize, we like, we take the food and we change it. And my yeah. point is like, no, 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 we, we shouldn't do that. Let's still use the ancestral food, but just use some of these modern techniques to preserve it or to, to utilize it in ways that are limiting towards people eating them. Yes, yes, absolutely. And that's what you did with pluck. Uh, yeah, but, but yeah. it's so important, though, that because in general, these processed foods that we're seeing in the stores and these kind of newfangled products that are, as you mentioned, like it's not an, it's not a full apple. It's just part of an apple. You know, it's like, that's the stuff that's causing us harm because we're getting, we, we have to get back to these whole foods. Whole yes. foods are really key. Yes. You know, I always tell people shop the outside aisles of the grocery store. Yes. And don't shop the inside aisles. And this is sort of like my, my secret little, I don't know. I guess it can be kind of tough revenge sometimes. I want to take a big green dumpster, one of those things, the huge big green dumpsters they have when they like do demolition. And, and I want to barrel through a window of a Smith's or an Alverson's grocery store, wherever you live, your grocery store. And I want to start putting all the box products and just have a couple people helping me throw them all into this big dumpster. Just let's throw all the box products, all the cookies, all the boxed rice products, all that stuff, put it in the dumpster. And make a big scene to prove that that's just cardboard. It's not really food. Yeah. And then I and then I want to get arrested, and I want my clients to barrel me out, just bail me out. <laughs> <laughs> so that's what. <laughs> but you, if this is a dream, you really could make this a reality. I mean, that this would be, is that would be hard because you would get arrested, and and I'm sure your clients <laughs> would bail you out because you're doing a very important thing. 
(laughs) So that's my little revenge dream or whatever you want to call it. But um, I just think about the point about food and we're talking about food and you're, you know, you're the master here. I mean, all the cooking you've done and the companies you've had and creating this product for us. So gosh, kudos to you. So I appreciate all that you're doing. So excited about pluck, you know, and getting it out there, helping people really, you know, take command of their, of their eating, you know, have families really get healthy here. If you were going to leave us with, with, you know, one, one tip, what would you, what would you say to our audience here? Well, I would actually kind of go off of your, 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 your share around the, the, the grocery stores and, and how to shop. Um, one, one tip that I find is really important. And I, I say, don't fall asleep at the cart. Okay. And what I mean by that is that when we go grocery shopping, remember that the front of a package is still part of the advertisement. There's, that's that. Think of that like the billboard. Okay. That's what's drawing you to the product. Mm-hmm. So you can never rely on the information that's on the front of the package. So I'm just, obviously we're trying to discourage people from eating packaged foods, but the reality is, is that people are. So True. here's what I want you to do. If you are eating these packaged foods, Mm-hmm. Don't rely on that front front billboard. Turn okay. it around and read the ingredients. And if you're reading those ingredients and you don't know what they mean, hydroxy, you know, peroxide this or whatever, you know, like <laughs> yeah. um, starch that, you know, whatever. And they're just words that that seem like they're coming from a laboratory. They just don't make any sense to you. Mm-hmm. Put that product back because if you don't understand it, your body's probably not going to understand it either. And then go try to find and go try to find things that are that are that are basically ingredients that you would put into a recipe opposed to a finished product. So just then go to try to find foods that are considered ingredients. Like go to those outside aisles and find find mm-hmm. foods because the reality is is when we're when we're eating food, it's just a formula. That's all it is. It's just a formula. We need some protein, mm-hmm. we need some vegetables, and we need some fat. And everything else, starches, carbs, that's all relative. That, that depends on what diet you're following. But the reality is we mostly just need fat, protein, and then some vegetables. And and they can come in lots of different forms. And so, and and those you're gonna find all that stuff, as you said, on the outside aisles. Um but if you are buying that inside, read those, those ingredients and try to find the shortest, you know, the, the lowest amount of ingredients as possible. That's a great tip. Thank you for that tip. Yes. The package is the billboard. Read the ingredients. Turn it over. Look at the ingredients. And if you can't pronounce it, you don't want to buy it. It has to be something, you know. Yeah, that's a great tip. Thank you for that. Yeah, I mean, there's an example of uh, there are those bars, um, RX bars. Have you ever heard of oh, those? Oh yeah, I have. Mm-hmm. So that's a perfect example. So the RX bar on the front will say only three ingredients, and it will be like uh, raspberry flavor, and it will say raspberries and dates and this, right, or whatever it says. Mm-hmm. But then you turn it over and you read the ingredients, you realize, oh, they didn't. There's natural flavors in this. They yes. didn't put that on the outside of the box. Oh, wait, right. and then there's this. And they didn't put that, there's this oil or whatever it is. That, they didn't put that on the outside of the box. And you start to realize there's a couple of other ingredients in there that they didn't highlight on the front. And you go, well, why didn't they highlight natural ingredients or natural flavors? It's not natural ingredients, natural flavors. 
Like, well, what, why is that? What's, what are natural flavors? And you know what the answer to that is? No one actually really knows because the flavor industry is a closed door industry, meaning that they oversee themselves. So all we know about natural flavors is that natural flavors are coming from natural sources, but they could still be toxic. Like they st still doesn't mean they're, they're good for you. So artificial natural flavors, if you see that in any product, you, you, you might want to put it back because you don't actually know what it is. And a lot of times it's got stuff in it, petroleum products. It's got, um, it's particularly the artificial stuff. It's got petroleum products. It's got certain kind of fats that you, that are actually causing us harm. That is another beautiful tip. And, and I actually do follow that. I didn't know that about the natural flavored industry, yeah. but I read and I feel sometimes natural flavors means MSG, maltodextrin, some kind of preservative that we don't know how our body's going to handle it. Yeah, it's true. And a lot of times it mm -hmm. does. Um, it, 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 it does mean that, you know, and, 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 and another thing is that when you see it has a flavor additive like that, natural flavors or artificial flavor, that tells you that it's not, they're, they're adding something to heighten the flavor. They're, they're, they're doing something to it that removes flavor or that doesn't already have flavor. And then they're heightening the flavor because it doesn't have flavor. So right there, that tells you, well, then maybe instead of getting that apple bar, you know, the bar that, that has oats or whatever they did to it, protein, mm -hmm. whatever they did to it. And then it has these natural flavors. Just go get an apple. Of course. <laughs> like, you know, move away from the bar and just go get the real food. Get the real food. Yep. Get the real food. Yeah. That's yeah. great. That's really great. Well, gosh, we got some great tips today. It was such a pleasure, you know, spending time with you, learning about what you're doing now and the creativity you put in and the amazing product pluck. Um, you know, first, first, product like that out there you guys so give this a try um tell us again how we can find that find that product yeah eatpluck.com eatpluck.com and think of this beautiful amazing interview here with james berry when you when you go there to buy eatpluck.com and thank you so much james for being here today thank you thank you so much for having me Louis. it was just a, a gift you know and and have a great day everyone and remember um Follow your heart, but take your brain with you. Mm.